3. Uh, as we ended chapter 3, uh, especially there in verses 11 to 13, uh, we uh, saw how the Lord, uh, well, how the Apostle Paul was talking about uh, how he wanted the people to uh, make sure that they were just being what they needed to be for each other, how they were walking close to God, abounding in love there in verse 12, uh, continuing uh, there in verse 11 to allow God to direct their lives, just like he was allowing the Lord to direct his life, that they would do the same. And that there in verse 13, uh, that they would be a people as they continued to walk with God uh, that was continuing to become holy and that they were continuing to grow in the Lord uh, and always looking forward there in the latter part of verse 13 to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, I think that's what we ought to be looking for as well, uh, to the coming of the Lord Jesus. Every day looking uh, for the Lord to come back, uh, every day listening to the trumpet's call. Uh, and uh, it could happen at any time. It could happen at any moment, this very moment. Uh, I may not get done with the service tonight, and we may all be standing in the clouds with the Lord. Amen? Uh, very possible. That could be. Uh, you never know. Next 30 minutes, we could all just be standing in the clouds with the Lord Jesus, and I tell you what, wouldn't that be awesome? And we could just bid this, all this farewell and goodbye, and uh, uh, next time I'll see it's when I come back with the Lord on my white horse. Uh, I don't know if I get to name it or not, but... Uh, but I'm coming back on a white horse behind my Savior, not in front of him, but behind him. And, uh, and you'll be right there too. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be an experience as well as God's people uh, come back with the Lord Jesus there at the Battle of Armageddon and, uh, and see all that take place. But who knows? It could take place tonight, the rapture, but uh, we'll soon find out. Uh, but anyways, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and as we begin there in verse 1, uh, the Bible says, as he's continuing his thought, because you see he says the word furthermore. And so he's continuing his thought there from verse 13, as he's talking about continuing to grow in the Lord and, uh, and making sure that you're walking with Christ and all of this. And so he says, furthermore then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus. Of course, he's talking to his fellow brethren. And he says that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. And so what he's saying is, is, you know, I've already told you these things in verses 11 to 13. And so now what I want you to do is, is just uh, keep doing uh, what you're doing. Uh, but also don't be satisfied with where you're at, but continue to grow. Uh, you know, I think we've got to be careful in our spiritual life that we just don't get satisfied where we are. You know, well, I know this and I know this and I can do this and I can do that. And I've been here and I've done that. And listen, experience is great. All that stuff is good. Uh, but listen, I think we ought to be making sure that we're continuing to grow in the Lord and not just uh, satisfied with where we are. Uh, because all of us, uh, because we're all uh, under construction, that means we all, and we all still have a lot of work to do, that means we all, none of us know everything neither. Uh, and so we can be, uh, we're, we, we need to be uh, forever learning, you know, constantly learning as much as we can about ministry, as much as we can about God. Uh, and you know sometimes uh, you listen. You don't. You don't always. You don't always learn everything from folks that are uh, uh, that are spiritual giants in the faith. Hey, you ever heard? Have you ever heard the phrase "out of the mouth of babes"? You know sometimes. Sometimes it can be some really simple lessons that come from a very simple truth uh, or illustration that can give you some of the most profound uh, instruction and knowledge. And so. Uh, so, you know, getting back to the basics and understanding those things definitely helps us as well. But furthermore, he says, I want you that in the latter part of verse 1, he says to abound 
more and more. That means to continue to grow, uh, continue to press forward, continue to love, continue to be exactly what the Lord needs you to be in your Christian life. Don't get satisfied where you're at. Don't just be content with where you are, uh, but be ever learning and ever uh, ever growing in your spiritual life. For there in verse 2, for he says, for you know what, uh, what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. He says, you know, you've been taught, you've heard, you know what you need to do. Uh, he says, you've heard the commandments that we gave you by the Lord Jesus. It wasn't something that we just kind of randomly just pulled out of thin air and said, hey, listen, this is what you need to do. He says, these were commandments, uh, these things that we taught you, and these things that we're telling you are commandments that were given uh, given to you by the Lord Jesus. You know, not I, I, I'm not just, you know, just, uh, just coming up with just some great ideas or something. I'm just, I'm telling you that these were commandments by the Lord himself. Our commander-in-chief, this is what he said that we needed to do, how we needed to walk and how we needed to live. Uh, and he says, and so make sure that you are continuing to do that in your spiritual life because... Uh, we're always growing. We're still uh, subject to this flesh. Uh, we, as long as we are in this flesh, we are still, uh, I'm not saying we're definitely not slaves to sin, but we're, we can be subject to sin uh, in the sense that if we're not careful, we'll give ourselves over uh, to the power of it. So what we have to do is, is make sure that we give ourselves, walk in the Spirit. And the Bible says if we walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, and so we... Uh, so we're walking in the Spirit, making sure we're doing everything we can to continue to grow, continue to learn, continue to, uh, to know more about Him. There in verse 3, because it's a command, uh, not just a suggestion, but it was a command by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. So there in verse 3, He says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. And so you'll notice the very first part of that verse. He says, For this is the will of God, uh, even your sanctification. So... Uh, when we think about that, we, we see that part of the will of God for your life is, is that you continue to grow. Now, the part of the will of God for your life is, is that you continue to learn more about Him, that you continue to walk in His steps. Uh, the, that word sanctification there, of course, we know, means to be set apart. Uh, but there's a process of sanctification. I'm sure you've probably heard it before. Uh, you know, the, in my notes in my study Bible, it illustrates it very well. Um, if you have a study Bible, yours perhaps may do the same thing. But sanctification is a process. And so we understand that, uh, that we are right now, you know, we are positionally sanctified in the sense that we are saved. And we are on our way to heaven. We have been set apart. When we got saved, we were sanctified, made holy, and set apart uh, for His service. And so that's what we are. We are positionally sanctified. Uh, but not only that, but we are, uh, we are uh, continuing to grow. And so as the footnotes, which you know, I think is very great that they had that there, uh, not just, just positionally sanctified, but progressively sanctified. So I think that's very good. Now, progressively being sanctified, which means that we are progressively growing. Uh, we are continuing to become more like Him, growing more in Christ, learning more about Him. And that's part of what the context of our scripture is saying. And there in verse 1, that you abound more and more. There in verse 2, for you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord, for this is His will. Uh, and so we see that us growing and becoming more like Christ is part of the will of God. What is, what is, what is the first part of the will of God for your life? That you get saved. Because He's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. So, so that's the very first part of God's will for your life is that you get saved. 
Now, the next part of God's will for your life is now after you've got saved that you, of course, you can't get saved again, but you grow in the Lord. And so that's a, what we would call a, a progressive sanctification. And as I said, uh, the illustration, they, they had it outlined in, in, in my Bible very well. Uh, and so I like that. So you have that positional uh, sanctification. You have that progressive sanctification. And then you have, of course, the perfected sanctification, which is, of course, the day you die and you get to heaven and you don't have to worry about sin no more. Amen? And so you're now in, there in heaven with the Lord Jesus and you are as He is. We are no longer affected by, the, affected by sin. We're no longer in battle with sin because now we, have, uh, we are in heaven. We have left sin behind. We have left the old corrupted body behind. And now we are in heaven and perfected forever just like He is. Amen? And that's what the Bible says, that, uh, that by, for by one offering He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. I think that's Hebrews 10, 14. Uh, and so that's part of the perfection of sanctification, that when we get to heaven, that we don't have to battle sin anymore and that we are becoming, that we'll be just like him. And so understanding that, that is part of the will of God, is that you get saved, that you grow in the Lord, and that ultimately when all this is done and over, that you end up with him. That's, that's the three parts of the will of God for your life that you know right off the bat. And so that's in essence what Paul was telling them. He says, listen, you're, you're great people there in chapter 1. He says, there's nothing else I can tell anybody about the kind of people that you are because everybody already knows that, you are, uh, that you're a great example to, to all Christians. He says, but listen, don't get comfortable in where you're at. Just because you're a great example, just because you love God and everybody knows it, uh, doesn't mean that you're, you've reached that place where, okay, I don't need to grow anymore. I'm, I'm good right here. And he says, no, you need to make sure that you continue to grow uh, because on this earth, in these fleshly bodies, we will never be able to attain uh, the, the, the righteousness, the full righteousness that we need to be. That's why we are perfected in heaven once all this is done and we're not uh, fighting sin any longer. Uh, and so he says, you need to make sure you continue to grow there in verse 3. Uh, he says, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. So we see all three parts of it that are working right there in that word, sanctification. That's part of the will of God, those three things. And then notice what he says as he finishes out verse 3. He says that you should uh, abstain from fornication. Uh, and so one of the things that we see there, of course, and I, and I think it interesting, uh, because not only was it an issue there, we understand that they were living in a pagan place, uh, but, uh, but listen, there, there was a, about everywhere was pagan. I mean, Rome was pagan, everywhere was pagan. Uh, and so the church was just, kind of, was just starting. Uh, and so the gospel is just spreading out. And so the gospel is spreading out into a, into a, a paganist Gentile world. And, and so what we see here is that there are a lot of people uh, that because they are pagans and, the, and these, these pagans, they had these ideas and beliefs, you know, that, uh, that didn't really coincide with how Christians believe as far as, you know, one man and one woman and, you know, and, and, and having a, a monogamous relationship together and, uh, and it seems like today we're even kind of getting further and further away from that as well. But, you know, in, but in that time, they, they, there were a lot of folks that didn't practice these kinds of things because 
They served and worshipped these false gods. And when they served and worshipped these false gods, they, you know, they, they uh, took part in a, lot of, uh, in a lot of sexual activities that were definitely outside of marriage and, uh, and folks that were married but were still partaking in these things with you know, other people. And so, of course, that is completely contrary to the Scriptures. Uh, and so we see that Paul, he mentions this because, of course, it's an issue there, but it's an issue everywhere. And one of the things that he wants them to see and understand is just how powerful, of course, how powerful, of course, the, uh, the, uh, this part, this aspect of, of our life can be. Uh, because we battle our flesh every single day. And that's why he says, listen, you need to make sure that you're continuing to grow. You need to make sure that you uh, are continuing to learn because you're battling your flesh, you're battling the world, you're battling the devil, and these are some powerful forces. Uh, and so, he, and so the, one, of the very, one of the very first things that he mentions there in verse 3 is, of course, to abstain uh, from fornication, which means, sex, which means really just sexual immorality just altogether. Uh, whether it was uh, whether you are married or whether you're not married, he says, you know what, you need to abstain from sexual immorality, uh, whether you're married or whether you're not. Uh, so, you know, if you're married, you need to make sure you're with your wife. If you're not married, you need to make sure that you're not doing anything until you are married. Amen? I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be, right? I mean, years ago, I mean, if they, when things like that was going on, it was kind of, you know, uh, you know, I think folks probably to some degree, it seemed like felt somewhat embarrassed about it. But now, I mean, it's just a commonplace thing. I mean, everybody nowadays just, you know, moves in together and sleeps together and then, then they get married and all that kind of stuff, you know. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. And, and, and it happens even, even with God's people. And so there in verse 3, uh, <clears throat> he says that you abstain from fornication, which, of course, as I said, means sexual immorality. But, but it doesn't just mean like adultery or anything like that. Uh, the Greek word for that just simply is the word pornea, which is where we get, uh, which is where we get uh, uh, pornography from today. Uh, which sexual immorality, uh, pornea can be anything, just sexual immorality altogether. It doesn't matter if it's sex outside of marriage. It doesn't matter, you know, whatever it is, it's just sexual immorality in general. And so he brings this up because it is a battle that these folks are facing, but not just them, but folks everywhere. But one of the things, I think one of the reasons why he brings it up is because it is definitely a force to be reckoned with. Because, listen, the devil knows uh, how strong this force is. The devil knows how, uh, how, how, uh, how we can give in to our flesh very easy uh, in, uh, in, in that kind of fleshly way. And so he says that you should abstain from fornication. So he says, listen, God's people, one of the things that God's people can do, there in verse 3, you kind of sum it all up together, one of the things that God's people can do to make sure that they continue to learn, make sure they continue to grow in God, make sure they're continuing to walk in the Lord, is to make sure that they don't get involved in sexual immorality on any level. Now, because what happens is, is sexual immorality, it is destructive to the, to, the, to the flesh, it's destructive to, it's destructive to the spirit, it's destructive to your mind, it's, it's destructive to all these things. And so what we have to do is, is we got to make sure that as God's people that we are uh, separating ourselves from this kind of life because the Apostle Paul shows us there in verse 3 that, uh, that folks that are giving themselves over to this uh, all the time uh, are not really acting like they're God's people, they're acting like they're the world's people because this is what the world does. Uh, and so what we have to do is, is make sure that we are uh, doing everything we can to live holy and, uh, uh, and, uh, and, be, and always learning and always growing in the Lord because 
this is a powerful force. And so if we want to be victorious in our Christian life, we want to make sure that we're walking with God, make sure we're learning about Him, make sure we're constantly growing in the Lord. Because listen, the devil is always constantly looking to see what he can do next to trip you up. Uh, and so we want to make sure that we are constantly growing, constantly becoming stronger. And uh, uh, there in verse 3, uh, we see that one of the uh, main things uh, that, of course, will uh, that'll, uh, destroy our sanctification process uh, as far as, you know, becoming holy like he is and growing in the Lord uh, is, uh, is uh, fornication or just sexual immorality uh, altogether. Uh, now, I've, I've done a study on this once before. I haven't looked at the stats, you know, here lately, but I've done a study on this once before, and, and, uh, and uh, I may still be right. Hey, who knows, maybe even more so now. Uh, but the, the, the pornography industry actually makes more money uh, than a lot of, I mean, it's like billions and billions and billions of dollars a year uh, and makes more money than a lot of your, uh, a lot of your uh, uh, major sports uh, things combined. Uh, and so that's, that's just, that's tragic, that's terrible. But it just goes to show you, it just goes to show you the, the force that's behind this, you know, this, this dark, malevolent, destructive force that's doing everything it can to tear down God's people and keep them from growing in the Lord. And that's definitely something that, uh, that sexual immorality does is it keeps us from getting to where we need to be at. Uh, and so there in, uh, there in verse 3, he says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, uh, that you should abstain from fornication. I want you to grow in the Lord. I don't want you to live in sexual immorality. I don't want you to get involved uh, in these types of things. I mean, I've done some study before on the, uh, we'll probably perhaps maybe do it again another time, but uh, whenever I was going to do the, uh, I had that thing that I was going to do two or three years ago, uh, with the, the human trafficking and all that kind of stuff. I did a lot of study on that. And it's amazing that uh, how much money that human trafficking brings in, uh, whether it's through sexual or whether it's through uh, forced labor or whether it's through uh, other avenues. Uh, it is amazing how much money that these things, uh, that these people bring in. Billions and billions and billions of dollars a year uh, more combined than some of the biggest names that you can think of today uh, in business. And uh, and it just goes to show you just how powerful this industry is and, so, and, and, and our flesh is. And so one of the things he says to make sure that you do is that you continue to grow in God, continue to grow in the Lord because uh, your flesh is a formidable foe. Uh, and you need to make sure that you stay away from, uh, from fornication or sexual immorality. There verse 4, he says that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. And so we see there in verse 4... That, uh, of course, that whenever we are involved in uh, uh, pornography or whenever we're involved in just sexual immorality in general, uh, that we are not, the Bible shows us that we're not possessing our vessel uh, in, not possessing the vessel in honor, you know, not possessing it in integrity because it is a destructive force, it is a destructive force to our mind, it is a destructive force to our bodies. Uh, and so what we have to do is, is make sure that we're doing everything we can to, as he says there in verse 4, that we possess our vessel. But notice in verse 4 he says that every one of you. He didn't just say, well, you know, uh, uh, the guys are okay, but the girls don't need to, you know, and 
uh, uh, and all any of that kind of stuff. Listen, it's it's on both sides of the fence. Now I know most of the time you hear about most of the time you hear about uh, normally men that are involved in these kinds of things, but there's women out there too that get involved in these kinds of things as well. Uh, and so he says every single one of you, because listen, every single one of us are susceptible. Every single one of us given to our flesh. Uh, every single day perhaps for different things and so we just got to make sure that we are being careful uh, about what we're getting involved in about what we're around because it is something that every single one of us we have to battle we all have to battle our flesh every single one of you know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor so that you are continuing to grow and that you are living an honorable life to you to God your family all these different things. Possess your vessel, your vessel which is your body. There in verse 5, he says, Not in the lust of constituents, uh, constituents, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. And so there in verse 5, he's in essence saying that, listen, when you live like this, when you involve yourself in, you know, in, in, uh, in sexual immorality, whether it's fornication, uh, you know, whether it's uh, husbands and wives committing adultery on each other, or whether you got... Uh, uh, folks that are, you know, live in relationships and they're just kind of, you know, living together and, and you know, doing that kind of thing. And then, uh, or whether it's watching pornography or whatever it is that you're doing, the Bible says that when you're doing that, and he says, he, he calls it here, he says, uh, he says, this is a life as the Gentiles there in verse 5. He says, not in the lust of constituents, even as the Gentiles, which know not. God. He says, so there in verse 5, what you're really doing is you're acting out on the passions of your flesh and you're, and, and you're allowing your flesh to overcome you, to get victory over you. And he says, and ultimately, you are living like a lost man out here in this world when you're involved in all these things. And so you, are you saying, preacher, that you just said that if I'm living in sexual immorality and uh, I'm uh, living with a man or living with a woman and we're not married but we're enjoying all the... Uh, 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 the sexual benefits of a marriage relationship are you saying that I'm living like the world and I'm acting like the devil that's exactly what I just said and I didn't apologize for it and so that's exactly what it is and that's just not from that's not Pastor Brian that's from the Bible God said that when we live this way that we're not living like his people that we're living like a lost Gentile world pagan world uh, and he says listen you don't need to live like that and that's not how you ought to live and he says uh, you know, the Bible shows that he has called us to live a different way. And that's what he's trying to get them to see right here uh, because this is something they are confronted with. And uh, he says, every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. And listen, how can you live that way and still claim that you are possessing your vessel in sanctification and honor? You cannot do that. Uh, and so there in verse 5, he says, not in the lust of conspicuous. In other words, don't give yourself over. Don't let your flesh, uh, uh, don't give in to the passions of your flesh to live in sin as the Gentiles, which know, watch, and watch now verse 5, which know not God. He says, you're living like people that don't even know who God is. See, that wasn't Pastor Brian. That was the Lord saying that out of his word. He says, when you're living this way, you're living like you don't even know who I am. Uh, because living this kind of way is completely contrary to the holiness and righteousness of God. And so, uh, so there in verse, uh, there in verse 5, uh, we see how, uh, how hard he really comes down on that. And, you know, and, and, and rightly so. Uh, and I think that when we look around in the world today, we can definitely see that's an issue. We definitely see that's a problem. Uh, that we have in society today, even among God's people. 
uh, that, you know, we can just live how we want to live and do what we want to do and it's all okay. And no, it's not okay. And I'm not, listen, none of us is perfect uh, by no means. And I, I get that. Uh, but you know what? There are some things that are pretty cut and dry in, in God's Word about what He says we ought not do, and that's definitely one of those things. And so there in verse 6, He says that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. And so uh, when He gets down to verse 6, He's still talking about the same subject, but He also broadens it up a little bit. And He says, listen, we want to make sure that we're not just giving into our flesh on this but we also want to make sure, as he says, that no man go beyond. If you go beyond, that means you are uh, overstepping or you are uh, grabbing a hold of more than what you're supposed to have. You're going beyond uh, what you are supposed to be doing. Uh, and so he says that no man go beyond and defraud his brother uh, in any matter. And so we see that it's open-ended there, but we also see uh, that as you continue the context of the Scripture... Uh, that he's not just talking about just in any matter. Uh, your Bible, just like mine, there in, verse, there in verse 6, you see this in italicized, so you see the translators put that there, so you'd understand that verse a little more, a little more cl- uh, clearly, which is fine, but also understanding that without that any there, you also see that we are continuing the same train of thought from verse 5. Uh, when we're talking about this uh, sexual, you know, sexual immorality uh, and not living like the world and all of that. So when you get down to verse 6, he says that no man go beyond. In other words, uh, don't you be reaching for what you're not supposed to have. So what are we talking about? Somebody else's wife. Okay, does that make sense? Don't be reaching for somebody else's husband. Don't be reaching for somebody else's wife. Don't be, uh, don't be uh, going against. Don't be going uh, against what you know you're supposed to be uh, what you know you're, you're supposed to be doing, don't, uh, don't be uh, having eyes uh, for, other, uh, for other men or other women uh, whenever you're married because, uh, because that is, uh, that's contrary to the will of God. That's contrary to your growth and sanctification, you know. Uh, and so the Bible says there in verse 6 that don't go beyond. Uh, don't defraud your brother. Don't, don't, do, don't go beyond what you're supposed to have. Don't go looking and, and trying to grab a hold of her or him or whatever and do your brother or sister in Christ wrong uh, by doing that. He says, listen, you got married. You know, this is, this is, who, this is who you have as your, your, your relationship, you know, in your life. And so uh, be with them. And uh, so there in verse 6, that no man go beyond defraud his brother but he also says in, in any matter, uh, which leaves it open-ended, which is very broad and just, you know, also just kind of leads us with the impression that, listen, not just in sexual immorality and these kinds of things, but in anything. Uh, you know, uh, just don't do people wrong. Live right. Live like you're supposed to. Do right by God. Do right by the people. Uh, and so he says, because that, the, watch this now, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such. Now, I tell you what, last thing you want is the avenger hot on your tail. Right? Last thing you want is the avenger coming after you. Now, you, you see, you call on the Lord the avenger. Well, the Bible says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. The Bible said right here, uh, he called himself the, the, the avenger, really, in essence. He says, In any matter, because the Lord is the avenger uh, of all such. And so, uh, what that shows us is, is that, listen, if you're, if you're a Christian and you're coming out here living, uh, this sin-filled life and, you know, doing all this kind of stuff and you're uh, grabbing a hold of things that you're not supposed to be grabbing a hold of and, uh, and, and defrauding your brothers and sisters in Christ and not living the life you're supposed to live. Listen, don't think if you don't repent and don't get things right that the Lord's not going to make it right. 
because he will. Some way, some way or another, somehow or another, some form or fashion, the Bible says that God is the avenger and that he will, uh, he will avenge his people and he will bring correction uh, to his people one way or another. Uh, and the last thing that you want is the avenger, uh, the avenger coming after you, which is, of course, uh, our Father in heaven. But he says that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. And so it says, listen, I'm just giving you a warning. You ever heard, you ever said that before? I'm going to give you a warning. I'm going to give you a warning. First time's a warning. And that's what he just did right there. He said, you've already been forewarned. You've already been told. You've already been forewarned. So, uh... Uh, make sure you live right. Make sure you're uh, growing in the Lord and make sure you're not coming out here living like the devil and living like the world and living in all this kind of uh, sinful kind of life and getting yourself involved in all this uh, sexual immorality and, and, uh, and, uh, and being evil to your brothers and sisters in Christ. He says you better make sure you don't do all that kind of stuff because if you don't repent, notice what the, the Bible says, the Lord is the avenger of all such. Hey, listen, you got to understand too. Just because we repent don't mean that we... Just understand this too. Just because we repent don't mean that we still don't get the correction. Does that make sense? I mean, listen, I, I, I was, you know... Uh, there's some times in my life when, you know, I did some things and my dad gave me a whooping and I said, Dad, I'm sorry, but you know what? I still got the whooping. You know what? That's exactly right. I said I'm sorry, but I still got the whooping. So listen, just because you repent don't necessarily mean you still ain't going to get the correction. Uh, and so, uh, just for all of us to understand that, just because we say, Lord, we're sorry, and just because we say, Lord, that we repent, doesn't necessarily mean we still don't have the correction coming our way. Uh, but it does, you know, the Bible does say He remembers our frame that we are but dust. And I tell you what, uh, uh, the correction would probably be a whole lot more harder uh, if we were not sorry for it or if we were not repentive about it. So anyways, let's move on. So there in, verse, uh, there in verse 7, he says, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. And so there in verse 7, we see that all that kind of living, the Bible describes as uncleanness. And he says, listen, God didn't call us to live this way. God didn't call us to live like the world. He called us out of the world. He didn't call us to live like them. He called us to come out of them. And so uh, as, we, uh, as we do that, uh, he says, then we grow in the Lord, we become more like Him. And there in the latter part of verse 7, he says, but unto holiness, which is what we're striving, striving to do. Even though we battle our flesh, even though we battle the devil, even though we battle the world, and we're not always what we should be and ought to be, uh, but we praise God that we're not what we used to be, and we're growing in the Lord and trying to become uh, more holy every day as we are walking in His steps uh, and being more conformed into the image of Christ. And so there in verse 8, he says, He therefore that despises, despises not man but God, who hath also given us his Holy Spirit. So in other words, there in verse 8, he's looking at everybody and he says, You know what? Uh, he says, If you don't like this kind of, if you don't like what I'm telling you and you want to uh, and, and go your own way and you want to reject this teaching, you know, you want to reject this teaching and you want to kind of do things your own way, just know, he says there in verse 8, that uh, he that despises, despises not man but God. If you reject this teaching, if you turn away from this teaching, if you despise what you're being taught right now, 
then just know if you decide to go your own way and do your own thing, then just know that you're not rejecting me, you're rejecting God. You know, you I, Paul can get up there and say whatever he wants to say. He's just a messenger, you know. So whenever the people turn their back, they're not turning their back on him. They're turning their back on God. And so whenever they walk out, when, when, whenever, uh, when they walk out on what he's trying to tell them, it's, you know, the Apostle Paul, hey, I'm sure it probably hurt his feelings from time to time when people probably beat him and, and uh, all, those kind, all the things that he went through. But he also understood that, listen, they're not walking out on me. They're walking out on God. And since they're walking out on God, God will deal with that. Uh, and so he says, He therefore that despises not man but God. You reject the teaching. You reject holy living. You reject all these things. And that's, that's okay. But just know that you're, uh, you're not rejecting man. You're rejecting God himself. Uh, who has also, the Bible says there in verse 8, who has also given unto us his Holy Spirit, Spirit, capital S there, uh, talking about the third person in the Trinity, uh, who hath also given us his Holy Spirit, who lives and resides within us. There in verse 9, But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Uh, he says, you know what, on, on this subject of brotherly love, you know, as he said there in chapter 1, and as he said in chapter 2, and even in, even in chapter 3, he says, you know, y'all are, y'all are great examples of what Christians are. Uh, you, you love each other, you're, you're, you're growing in the Lord, but don't be satisfied with that, but just keep growing in the Lord. But you know, but as touching this subject, you know, he says, there's really nothing left for me to write unto you because I've already said all I can say. And the way you're living your life, you're living according to how the Lord said to live your life. And so y'all are doing great, but just... Keep trying to excel. Keep trying to achieve. He says, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Uh, not only am I teaching you, but as the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you, He also teaches you how you should love each other. Uh, and so there in verse 9, we see that not only uh, are we uh, did Paul teach us, but we also see the connection between verses 8 and 9 when he says that he has given us, when God has given us his Holy Spirit. And what does his Holy Spirit do? It teaches us to live right and teaches us to love one another and be what we ought to be. Uh, because there in the very first part of verse 8, you see that people are despising that teaching. And he says that when you, don't, when you despise the teaching of God, when you despise, when you don't like to live how God said to live, he says you're rejecting God. And you are uh, rejecting, in essence, the, the, the teaching of the Holy Spirit uh, that lives inside of you. And he says, listen, you need to get that thing right because if not, the avenger is going to come. Uh, and so he says, but as touching brotherly love, you need not that are right unto you. For you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Verse 10, and indeed, you do it towards all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. And so there in verse 10, you see that, that he, he adds to it again. Keep growing, keep increasing. But uh, don't, but, and we kind of see the idea that when we, we, we're growing more in the Lord, but we're also, we're spreading the gospel, so we're growing spiritually, we're growing numerically. And so he says, continue to grow, continue to grow in your life. Uh, indeed, you do it towards all the brethren, which are in all Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Uh, in essence, you also see that he's saying, don't just, 
love one another, but love everybody. Be that, be that, uh, be that city on the hill. You know, it's uh, be that city on the hill that lets lets the light shine. Lets you know, uh, lets everybody. What the Bible say? The city on the hill cannot be hid. And that's what we want to do. Is we want to make sure that our righteousness uh, isn't hid to the world, because we want the world to always see. Right, you know, our, the righteousness of Christ that is within us. Now we know we don't possess it uh, any of our own. The only righteousness that we have is the righteousness that He places inside of us. But we want to be that city on that's on the hill that cannot be hid in the midst of all the darkness, in the midst of all the turmoil, in the midst of uh, all the craziness that's going on around us. We want to make sure that we are a constant beacon and a constant light, just like the lighthouse. It's there on the on the on the shore that's in the in, in the storm. That's, uh, that lights up to show all the ships that, listen, if you're not careful, you're going to make a shipwreck out of your life. Uh, and so that's what we want to do. We want to be, be a light. We want to be, uh, we wanna be uh, an encouragement to other folks to live as the Lord lives as, uh, as well. And so it says, Indeed, you do it to all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But he says, But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Uh, grow together more, love each other more, continue to grow and uh, be conformed more into God's image together, uh, but also make sure that you are sharing all this with the whole world. Because, listen, how's everybody else going to know who Jesus is unless we don't tell them, unless we don't show them uh, in our life? Uh, now, uh, it doesn't mean that we have to give in to everything that the world says. I mean, by no means do we do that. Uh, but I think there's plenty of ways that we can make uh, the truths of God made known and true uh, uh, while at the same time uh, making sure that we are trying to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Uh, and that's kind of what we want to do uh, in our life if at all possible. There in verse 11, and he, says, and he says, And that you study to be quiet. Listen to that. Study to be quiet. Well, there's a lot of people that can take some... Uh, Notes off that verse right there. Study to be quiet. And when you think about studying to be quiet, you know, you just so many people are just out slandering and gossiping and saying all kinds of things. But he says, study to be quiet, you know. He says, uh, do your own and, and to do your own business. You know, you know what he's saying? Mind your own business. Keep your dog in your own yard. You ever heard that before? Keep your dog in your own, keep your dog in your yard. Mind your own business. Keep your dog in the yard. There, verse eleven. Study to be study to be quiet. You know, uh, as it says in my margin, aspire to live a quiet life. Uh, listen, nothing wrong with living a peaceable life. Amen. Now, when he says live a quiet life, he's not saying you can't have fun and say yippee ki yay. All right, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying you can't have fun. He's not saying you can't laugh and enjoy yourself and have a good time. When he says live a quiet life, we're talking about not butting heads with everybody and fighting with everybody and brawling with everybody and, you know, all that kind of garbage, all that kind of mess that we see sprawled out all over everywhere right now, you know. He says, listen, God's people need to, need to be different, you know. We need to show the world that you can live a great life, live a joyful life, and not always be at war all the time with everybody. And so... Man, I tell you what, we definitely need to make sure we do that. Because uh, listen, there's some people, 
Uh, I tell you what, if they don't if they don't have drama, they're just if they don't have drama, they're not happy. You ever met people like that? It just seems like every time you turn around, they got some kind of drama, something going on in their life, and I, I guess they just live off of it. I mean, if they don't have it, like something's wrong or something, I don't know. Uh, but I like the idea of living a joyful life and doing it, uh, and, and just being a happy being a happy person, being a joyful person, living a quiet life. Uh, with the Lord, he says, and do, to do your own business, mind your own business, and watch this, and to work with your own hands. Man, I like that too. Man, that should be something. This, we ought to put verse 11 on Facebook sometime or another. If you got Facebook, put it out there. He says, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. In other words, be a hard worker. Strive to live a peaceable, quiet life in God. Be a good example you know, spread the gospel. Stay out of everybody else's business because you got enough business of your own. Amen. All right, there in verse 12. He says that you may walk honestly towards them that are without. Hey, I tell you what, if we're going to talk about those that are without, talking about those that are outside salvation, those that are not saved, those that are out in the world. And he says, listen, when we live this way, there in verse 11, when you live verse 11, what happens is, is there in verse 12, the, that you may walk honestly uh, towards them that are without, and that you may uh, have lack of nothing. And so there in verse 12, what we're going to see is we're going to live like we need to, Verse uh, there in verse 11, so that when we get down to verse 12, so that those that hear us, and those that see us, and those that know about us, uh, that it's, I tell you what, it's a whole lot easier to talk to someone about being a Christian when you're actually trying to live your life to be a Christian. But when you're out here living like the devil and sleeping with him and sleeping with her and shacked up here and shacked up over there and you, you know, out here drinking and, and doing drugs and doing all this other kind of mess and then you try to, and, and all these people know it and then you got, and then you got somebody right here and, you, and, and they know how you live and then you're trying to tell them that they need to be a Christian. I tell you what, it's kind of hard to do that. Uh, and so what we need to do is, is make sure that we ain't got things that are hindering our life and our life that's keeping us from not just verbally witnessing but also lifestyle evangelism that's keeping them from coming to the Lord. Uh, because I dare say there's probably a lot of folks, a lot of Christian folks that are probably living their, their Christian life in such a way uh, that it's probably keeping other folks from getting saved uh, because, uh, or at least having a hand in it anyways uh, because they think that uh, our... Our Christ is uh, is nothing because of how we live. Uh, and so there in verse 12, he says that you may walk honestly towards them that are without, that you uh, may have lack of nothing. Uh, and so uh, I think we're going to end there. I've uh, just got about just a couple of minutes left, and we'll start next week on uh, the rest of chapter 4, and we'll be just, and that'll be a good place to start as we begin with the rapture. Uh, and then run through maybe perhaps chapter 5. Uh, and so we'll stop there for tonight. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer this evening. Father, we thank you for this day once again. Uh, we thank you for the message tonight. And God, I pray that uh, it would find a lodging place in our hearts. And that, Lord, you would help us, uh, Lord, to um, know more about you and your word, to have uh, grown more in wisdom. And uh, Lord, I pray that. Uh, you would continue to help us as we go throughout this week, uh, that we would uh, definitely be a good example. As you said, these Thessalonians were, uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us always to continue to grow but not be satisfied and content 
where we are at in our spiritual lives. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would give us all a good rest of the week, keep us safe, and bring us back here to our next appointed time on, uh, on Sunday, on Mother's Day. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.